0: reading from verse 6. If you want to follow it in the Pew Bibles, which given the content, it may be a good idea if you follow it in the Pew Bibles. It's on page 1085. This is Jesus' prayer for his disciples on the night that he was arrested the day before he was crucified. Reading from verse 6. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any, any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, As we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord.
1: I'm going to introduce uh, Judith Drew to you now, who's our preacher today. Um, Judith is a friend of mine. Uh, I've known Judith since 2012 when I started as the minister of Christ the King in Rabbit, which is the church I was at before starting here at Christ Church. Um, And um, Judith is someone I deeply respect. Uh, She's someone who follows Jesus with her heart, her soul, her mind, and her strength. She follows Jesus with great humility, authenticity and transparency. Judas really wants others to know for themselves the transforming love and power of Jesus Christ in their lives. Jesus, I'm really glad you've accepted my invitation to come and preach here today. Do come on up and uh, let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for Judith's ministry already here this morning at our earlier service. And Lord, we pray for her now as she preaches, as she teaches in your name. Would you uh, glorify yourself through her, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Peter.
2: No pressure then. (coughs) I am very ordinary. (laughs) Thank you, Peter, for that. Um, and what a great reading, isn't it? Wasn't that a great reading? Um, and I also really appreciated that video we saw of Thy Kingdom Come. Um, and they talked about praying and praying into people's secret histories. You know, as I was watching that, something came to my mind. But actually, we need to be living into people's secret histories as well as praying for them. So... Thank you for the invitation to come and speak here, I have not come to preach, I have come to speak, all right. Let's speak here and thank you for that um, um, unwarranted introduction, as I say I'm very ordinary and today concludes the sermon series that you have been journeying through and I know that you've heard from a huge variety of people in all manner of ways And isn't it great to hear other people's stories and wisdom and passion for Jesus? And it's good to remember that we are all involved daily. And today we finish with the word sent. Sent for what? To do what? And where? So what does sent mean? Well, according to the Oxford Dictionary, sent to send is to propel. Cause to move, order, or cause to go, or be conveyed. And we know that to send it, that's because we send an email, we send a message, or we send a letter. Anything, pretty much. And that's, and that the sending is at the desire of the sender. But also we tend to send something that conveys something. Instruction. News, information it has more often than not got information involved, appointments, whatever there is a cause to it, and hopefully a result and you, the receiver, achieve a resulting action. something should change because of this sending you know. I love to hear from people who work in difficult places and who passionately testify to the amazing work of God. We hear from our mission partners about the work that they have been sent to do, quite often in hard places. And the blessing that God pours out on their ministries, whether tangible or intangible. I feel excited I cheer almost out loud. My heart skips a beat and I am on their side rooting for them and for the people they touch and the changes God makes. And I sit in my seat and I thank God. Thank God for what he is doing. I thank God that the kingdom is expanding. I th- and I thank God that I am not called and sent to ministry mission like that. Not my strength, not my gifting, and not my passion. Not, not close up anyway. And also I love to hear about the wonderful fresh expressions of church bursting out all over the country. The work of the church army and their evangelists and their volunteers just blows me away. I, in really, they go into really deep Places and dark places and situations in our country where it is very difficult to reach. And they bring life. And they bring change. And they bring hope. Again, I feel excited, I cheer, and my heart skips. And again, I thank God for those he has sent. And despite my passion, I can never see myself in places like that. Thank you, God, that I'm not sent to those mission fields and that there are others who are and who live their lives constantly in what I see, I see as hard places. We get sent on mission, right? Not everyone is sent on mission to tough places. So I can pray and I can cheer and I can consider myself counted out. I am not a missionary. I have never been sent in that way. But actually, how we use the word missionary has changed in recent years. The missionary is one who tells and lives the good news of the kingdom of heaven and signposts always to Jesus. The missionary is one who makes a difference to culture where they are, a difference to the people, where they are, a difference to reconciliation and justice, to love, where they are. They are those who glorify God in their daily lives, a missionary sent by God to tell of him and to be so compelling by who they are and how they live and how they speak that others are drawn to the ultimate lover of people, Jesus. And I don't mean by being a great evangelist either. We're not all gifted in that way. I mean just by being that person God has created you to be out there. But having said that, we do all need to be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope that lives within us. As you heard from Debbie, as she opened the series quite some weeks back when she was talking about bless. Who we are and how we live can easily prompt questions about our faith. And we should really be ready to give account about who motivates us Who brings us alive and who guides us and why? Well, could that be a missionary? Could that be me? Of course it is, without any doubt. Perhaps that could be you. What do you think? Missionaries sent to what? Well, let me give you an example you might be aware in the rise in popularity of raw apple cider vinegar. If any of you go on Pinterest, it's the first thing that pings up. And it's the most popular of brands is advertised is Braggs. Amongst the word on the label, which is quite distinctive, yellow, um, is an ichthys, a fish, with 3 John 2 written inside. That's all. John 2 I looked it up as you would and it says dear friend I pray that you might enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well signposting to Jesus seizing an opportunity to direct the Bible who knows what that might trigger something small Big impact. And as I stand here, you will see a middle class, older woman who should really be thinking about retiring and who, if I'm honest, has led a pretty sheltered, ordinary life. I can do the community stuff and believe with all my heart that it's who you are in Christ that propels you into action which in turn makes a difference. Who you are by blessing others in your day-to-day encounters. Who you are by listening with care and compassion to others in a world where listening is a skill that isn't used by the majority of people. Who you are by eating together and learning who our great rabbi is and what his teachings say and how that changes lives. Yes, with application, I can do that, and I'm pretty comfortable with most of it. But I can't sit in a room full of people and make easy conversations very easily. Not my gifting. I can't offer relaxed hospitality. Not my gifting. I don't instinctively know what the older generation want or need. And hospital ministry would never, ever feature. Just to name a few of the places, I see amazing Christian people functioning and making a difference. But areas which I am not alive in. I can function in, yes, but I'm not alive in. And doesn't Jesus say that his yoke is easy and his burden is light? He does. But here's the rub, I have been sent to prison. Me, who would have thought it? My story is one that feels very ordinary to me. And it's only when I begin to tell, tell it, my story, I realize that for others, this isn't quite so ordinary. You know, I've worked in prisons for a number of years now. My introduction was unexpected and gentle. And before I knew it, I was working at Shrewsbury before it closed in a variety of, of roles. All focused on offenders, but a variety of different aspects. And I was based within chaplaincy. Shrewsbury closed, as we know. And I thought God was going to send me somewhere else. Send me something else. And I really thought that perhaps it would be in the church setting. However, not quite right. I am now at Featherstone Prison, again working within chaplaincy, and it feels so very right, and it feels so very fruitful, well, most of the time. My discussions with God about sending have been robust, and they have been protracted. The story is too long to tell now, But suffice to say that my friend and colleague, Reverend David, who I've worked with within prison ministry for a long time, retired and left Featherstone Prison. And I was going to go with him. Oh, yes. Until God sent me there to stay a little bit longer, to bridge the gap until a new chaplain was appointed. Just to lead two very small Bible study groups. That was all. Mm Hmm. Here's an interesting thing. The person who felt that God was encouraging me to stay after David left was not a Christian. She was someone I had worked alongside for a number of years and had built up a really lovely friendship. She was the one who articulated God's sending. She felt very strongly I needed to be there. Do you know what? God doesn't always use those people we expect. And he can work through and with anyone, whether they acknowledge him or not. You know, God's bigger than that, isn't he? So, my bargaining with God began. And I always try to be very open, open to the sending, but also open to the leaving. These things God gives us and asks of us, we should hold lightly. Because once we hold them tightly, we become the main thing, not the signposts, and then we are sunk. And once we forget who has sent us and our purpose, then we and those we are sent to are lost. So I bargained about my time of leaving. I bargained about the size of the groups. I bargained about my role there. But continue to go, knowing that God would show me the time when the time was right to leave. And I'm still there, doing what is asked of me, being open, trying hard, and being available. And because this is God's will, I feel He has blessed the groups massively. I now have two study groups. Of about 12 people, 12 men in each group. It hasn't shrunk and become non-viable, which was my first opt-out clause with God. Another volunteer now has joined us to be part of the fellowship. And there is an honesty and there is a desire to meet God and learn. These men have truly found a faith that sustains them in the darkest of places, in probably the darkest times of their lives. Their passion and enthusiasm for God and the thanks that they have for Jesus and the reliance they have on the Holy Spirit actually shames me. Discussion in the groups is direct, you can imagine, Thought-provoking and very challenging. How can we, not they, how can we live this stuff that we read? They live as forgiven men, most of them with some difficulty in accepting that, in a new life that now possibly has great potential. I don't have all the answers, of course, and we learn together. And some of them have found God for the very first time. One elderly gentleman says almost every week, no matter how he feels when he comes into the chapel, he goes out feeling so much better. And to be honest with you, he looks like it too. He has met with God in that time and he has been blessed And he is beginning to understand the living reality of a relationship with a God that he never knew before. And I am blessed because I am sent to be part of this. But, there's always a but with God, isn't there? But God has asked more of me. I am a chaplain who not only leads the Bible study group, but one who moves around the prison talking with the men the officers, the poor copers, and with those in the segregation unit, those on long-term sick, and those in the workshops. And what an amazing place to be and work and to make a difference. I have the opportunity to give an answer for the hope that is within me. It's in these hours I do around the prison that I get a sense of my sentness. I try and model normal relationships and hopefully give value to all men because I listen. I bless by encouraging. I learn and share. I talk about character, about my faith, about being the very best person we can be. The list is endless and I signpost to Jesus as he is the one that brings light and life into the dark prison and into dark lives. Can I tell you a very recent story, one that touches my heart every time I tell it? Last week, when I was working in the segregation unit, one of my Bible study group was there in a very, very bad way. And we will call him John. John had been aggressive and he had seriously self-harmed, intending to take his own life. I just happened to be there in the midst of the storm. He was distressed and pacing, upset and panicked. His head was in his hands. I arrived and asked what had happened. And he came to the observation window and he cried. And he said, please Judith, just bring me a Bible and a book. My head's fallen off. I need them. So in the midst of his turmoil and distress, in the midst of his personal storm, Jesus had spoken into John's need and he'd sent me. John recognized at that very moment he needed the anchor of God's word, which breathed hope and love. And the door to John's heart was wide open. Well, I returned with both. And also to listen for about half an hour. There, John promised things, shared things, cried tears of pain and fear, and set his eyes to move forward. Oh, and he missed his mum. Well, I saw him a few days later, and he had changed. He talked about peace. He talked about focus. He talked about the amazing 23rd Psalm that had spoken to him and had transformed him. The Lord is my shepherd, he said. I shall not want. I saw him on Monday this week. He was being reviewed by senior officers as to where he was emotionally and mentally, my heart was praying for him, as the officers were speaking very negatively about him before they saw him. But what a transformation! John was gentle, he was polite, he was insightful, he was positive. And as he went out, all those presents went: "Who was that man?" He has changed. Of course, they didn't listen to my explanation. But they saw something in John that felt compelling and different and permanent. It was obviously the segregation unit and the officers that had facilitated that. No, it was God. And he has sent me there. To prison, to be part of that. Do I feel anxious and in danger? No, never. Do I see everything I should when I walk along the landings? No, I don't. Do I feel God's protection and people's prayers around me every time I go in? Yes, I do. Do I feel aware of my purpose in being there? I do. And who would have thought it? Who would even imagine that I would be sent to prison and thrive there and make a difference there and be part of God's plan there? Not me. And what of the new full-time chaplain? Not appointed yet. We are still waiting. So I continue to go where I am sent with joy quite a change for me too as this really wasn't where I had wanted to be and I was genuinely on my way out with David some 18 months ago but the thing is this could be the same for you too I was obedient to God I know I looked for my opt out most weeks but I kept going the development of my role has been slow but I've kept going. Sometimes we just have to go where we have been sent. For no other reason besides we have been sent. And we don't always understand. We don't always see a huge amount of fruit from our obedience. It can be hard. And it can be costly. And we might not get much recognition sometimes but God calls us to persevere and to trust him despite how we feel and despite how it might look I see the fruit now I sense change in the atmosphere as I encourage the men to live for that and as I try and do the same you know our God is amazing he knows us better than we know ourselves and he provides us with all we need To go to those places he sends us to be good news and make a difference just by being who we are made to be. We shine like stars and we push back the darkness. And the really exciting thing is we aren't all sent to the same place. We aren't all sent to be the same people. We don't all have the same gifts or passions. But we are all expected to go into the world, as we heard in that amazing reading. It is because we believe Jesus was sent by God to bring reconciliation. And so we are to do the same. We read, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world the interesting thing here is Jesus is praying for his disciples. These disciples who were chosen from the ordinary, the broken, the uneducated, the unreliable, just like us. And we too are prayed for by Jesus and we too are chosen, all of us. And we have a mission to fulfill we belong to the Father just as Jesus belongs to the Father. And so we have all the need to make a difference in the world in which we live. And this is Jesus' hope for us. And he continues to pray that we will have a full measure of his joy within us. Isn't the joy Jesus gives attractive, uplifting, influential, something that changes the atmosphere. He prays directly for us, that we could shine with the life of Jesus in us, that we can point to the truths that are Jesus, that our loving Father is the God of love when, when we live and acknowledge him in our lives. We are protected, As we venture into the world so we aren't seduced by the world. Because that's what Jesus prayed then and will still be praying for us now. So, as we are sent, we change the world as Jesus has. As have the saints that have gone before us. This passage urges us to be out there. Doing the will of God because that is what our Saviour has done. As we live our lives in the knowledge and glory of God. There will be unity, justice, reconciliation, love and joy. Compelling stuff. And I know that most people aren't sent to prison ministry. But... Have no doubt, we are all sent, and we all have a job to do as we go. We all have truths to live, to tell, to share, however and wherever we are, all of us. And when we go in obedience, we will be blessed as we bless, we will learn. As we teach we will eat as we feed and we will be heard as we listen it all fits so perfectly as of course it will because we are talking about God here where are you sent you might think nowhere but you must look again What does the Holy Spirit do through your obedience, through your gifting and your passion? Don't miss that. Look out for it. Take notice of it. Celebrate it. Be encouraged by it. God isn't always obvious. But do know that God will be cheering As he sees his people going to all the places and making disciples of all nations. As he sees his people feeding the hungry, attending to the thirsty. As he sees his people taking in the stranger, however that looks, clothing the poor. As he sees his people looking after the sick and visiting the prisoners, yes, There is a celebration in heaven as we, God's people, go. Go where we are sent to change our culture, our relationships, our communities, our workplaces, our homes, our schools. Heaven will be deafened by the noise of cheering. And we will know our worth, our blessing and the perfection of our God. Amen.